The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for our listeners. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. To get started, all you have to do is click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Okay, let's get things started. All right, here we go. Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBet. I'm your host, Mike Calabrese of the Action Network, joined by my colleague, Mike Ionello, And this is our week four group of five deep dive. And we have some heroes to get into, some good breaks, some bad breaks, and obviously some picks. But I'm going to warn you, luckily, this is only an audio medium because we're probably reeking after dumpster diving on this slate, particularly in G5 land. I'm pulling out some day-old stale bear claws from this, from this trash bin because, whew, this is rough, but this is why you go to us. This is why you're looking at the bottom of the board. Where's the value? Where are their picks to be to be made and you know, hopefully make you some money over the weekends? We're here to do just that for you. But before we get into it, we'd love to touch on our group of five heroes of the week. And this one's pretty easy for me. I called that Fresno State upset of UCLA. It looked like they were going to wilt down the stretch. Jake Hayner was limping around. It was like a a Disney made-for-TV movie. And that final drive, he did everything, put the whole team on his back. He was like swinging his hips, throwing passes. Like he looks like a golfer trying to dig a ball out of the bunker. Like he did just, he did not look right. And after he throws that touchdown pass to Cropper, which ended up being the deciding score, falls down to his knees, raises his hands to the sky like Elias from Platoon. I mean, what a scene. What a moment for a hero like Jake Hayner. You become like a proud little papa of who you're backing on a week to week basis. We've talked a lot about this Fresno State team, really a touchdown away from being a G5 darling they'd probably be in the top 10 if they had knocked off Oregon as well what were your thoughts on that just absurd exciting middle of the night Pac-12 after dark madness that was Fresno State UCLA yeah unbelievable game unbelievable call by you uh full disclosure I'm, I'm playing a little hurt today throat's still a little sore I was at Penn State this weekend for the whiteout game against Auburn so I was basically screaming for you know four straight hours with 110,000 people so if I I squeak at all. That's why. Yeah. You're nominated as our G5 hero of the week. Just the fact that you're gutting this out and and laying down some tracks for us. All right. Who do you have as your hero of the week in week three? At first I was going to go with Billy Napier. I was going to go with Billy Napier for he, he was the hero for overbetters running up tempo, throwing the ball, calling timeouts up 41, 14, going for it on fourth down, scoring late to hit the over. Scared money. Don't make money. You know, if you bet the over, Billy Napier is your hero. But respect 
for Colin Wilson. I'm not going to give out Billy Napier. That would be mean to him. I'm going with Calvin Austin the third, the little human electric factory for Memphis. If you guys didn't watch this game or haven't watched him this year, he's much watched TV. To set the stage, Mississippi State was punting down four with six minutes left. Two Mississippi State players touched it down inside the 10, but nobody picked it up. They just kind of touched it and left it there. Little Calvin Austin, I think he's like 5'8", swooped in, scooped the ball up, took it 94 yards to the house, touchdown. Now, yes, I know Mississippi State fans are going, oh, it didn't count. It shouldn't have counted. Yeah, the SEC officiating crew, who had a few bad calls this weekend, I might add, as a Penn State fan, they admitted they were wrong. But guess what? Counts in the score sheet, and it gave Memphis a 31-29 upset win. Austin had nine catches, 105 yards, and a touchdown, and two touchdowns. So now three total in that game. He leads the country with six receiving touchdowns, 391 yards. He is awesome. Calvin Austin is my hero of the week. I think you hit the nail on the head. He is absolutely electric to watch in the way that Memphis uses him. He's in every phase of the game, special teams. They get him on, you know, speed running plays. They hit him with bubble screens. He's down the field. All right, let's jump right into week four. These are our G5 deep dive best bets. Now, I want every bit of information that you've got in this, every lead. Is that clear? Uh, One pick each in this spot because the board was not enticing to say the least. But what is enticing is the fact that we're nine and one on our best bets. So we got to keep up this torrid pace. And I'm going to start with the FAU Owls, a team that really I think the public's forgotten about ever since Lane Kiffin left. And this play is predicated really as much on the Air Force pass defense being horrific as it is about FAU being able to take advantage of that. You know, Air Force only returned one starter. And when you look at returning production across college football, this is a boom year for it. You know, records across the board. Most teams are returning 70% of their overall production when you factor in the transfer portal. The service academies were not beneficiaries, obviously, of the transfer portal. And I think that's already been clear with the way that the Falcons are playing. In their last game against Utah State, I will add a Utah State team that was playing musical chairs at quarterback. They gave up 448 yards through the air, nine yards uh, per attempt, and five touchdowns in that spot. So when I look at the FAULs, can they take advantage of that? Nikosi Perry ends up winning a quarterback battle in the fall. He's looked really strong. LeJonte Wester, a freshman wide receiver, has just been killing it the last two weeks, over 100 yards in each game, multiple touchdowns. I think this is an FAU team that probably should be favored in this game. They're catching five. I like them you know, with the points. I'm also probably going to play them on the money line. The Owls, for me, are a team that can go in and take advantage of a really porous Air Force secondary. So I'm going to go ahead and go against uh, an Air Force team that I think is statistically being buoyed a bit by the fact that they played Navy, which as a longtime Navy fan, their offense is totally broken. They're firing coaches. They're making midseason moves. I won't even throw in a sinking ship analogy, but we all know what's going on with Navy. Air Force was able to take advantage of that, hold some of the three points. I think that puts a little lipstick on their statistical resume because really Air Force, I think, is in for a world of hurt in this game against the Owls. What's your best bet here to pair up in week four? Quick little side note, too, just because you mentioned Utah State. It's so weird to me that Blake Anderson is like the only head coach in the country that seems to make two quarterbacks work. And they always say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. He did it at Arkansas State, and both quarterbacks there were great. He's doing it here. Both have played well. He does it every year. I don't know how he does it. I wonder if he told Logan Bonner that when he transferred with him from Arkansas State. He's like, you're my guy for the first and third quarters and alternating drives after that. Like, I don't understand how he convinced him because Logan Bonner it worked put last up year. tremendous stats. Yeah, it worked last year in Jonesboro. So I agree. It's He really is one of the only coaches I've ever seen pulled off effectively. For my best bet, like you said, I don't like the card this week. It was hard to find plays that really jumped out at me. 
So when in doubt, let's go with Old Faithful. I'm going back to my beloved Buffalo Bulls, minus 13 and a half at Old Dominion. I looked this up. I had to look it up three times because I don't, I still don't even know if it's correct. But the page I was looking at has Buffalo ranked first in the country in offensive success rate. Credit to the Bulls. That, that's kind of what they do. They're not explosive. They're not flashy. They're just efficient. They're 26th in the nation with rushing yards. They're expected to be very Kevin Marks heavy. But, you know, they, they rotate three backs now with McDuffie and Cook Jr. All of them are averaging over four yards per carry. They had a 61.7% success rate on rushing plays against Coastal Carolina, who is a much better defense than Old Dominion's. Kyle Van Treese <laughs> has been there for six years. He's the quintessential, like, efficient quarterback. He completed 60% of his passes, 7.3 yards per attempt in his career. And on the other side, Old Dominion, you know, I kind of hate this pick because I'm a Penn State guy, so I love Ricky Ronnie. I think he's going to be very good there. But that team is still young. They opted out, obviously, last year. Prior to that, they are one of the worst offenses in the country. And that kind of still seems like the case. You know, they flexed on Hampton a little bit in week two. So a lot, some of their numbers are a little exaggerated. But they had just 201 total yards offense against Liberty last week. Their offensive line is horrible. They allowed two sacks and six tackles for loss per game this season. And Buffalo has a really good defensive front. You know, uh, Taylor Riggins is going to be able to get in that backfield. DJ Mack has kind of uh, won the starting quarterback job, and he has not looked good. He's completed just 50% of his passes, three touchdowns, three picks. I think Buffalo's defense is good enough to shut him down. I'll lay the 13 and a half with Buffalo over Old Dominion. I like that play a lot, to be honest. I do like the fact that it's Taylor Riggins. Reminds me of Tim Riggins and the actor Taylor Kitsch, I believe, played him on Friday Night Lights. So, you know, what's not to love about clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose in that spot. Uh, Buffalo, just particularly if you can get it under the number, that key number of two touchdowns, I'm with you. I watched that the entire Coastal Carolina game. They were in it. There wasn't any smoke and mirrors. That Lance Leopold legacy. If they win games, they've earned it. If they if they lose them, you know, usually they're just outclassed in a talent perspective. And Old Dominion doesn't have the horses in that spot. All right, we're going to transition quickly to our underdog parlay pick of the week. So one each. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the money line parlay. I'm going to go ahead with the Roadrunners. Hashtag meet meep UTSA plus 135. Honestly, I think the reason why they're an underdog in this spot is that Memphis has been so good as a home favorite. Dating back five years, they are 28 and two straight up in Memphis when they are a home favorite. And in this spot, I think they're just a little bit overvalued. They steal a win from Mississippi State when you look at that special teams touchdown that you you referenced earlier. They get absolutely shredded by Will Rogers. That just doesn't translate to you know the scoreboard, but they give up over 400 yards through the air. This Memphis defense, I think, is going to really struggle against a very well balanced UTSA offense. And as we mentioned earlier in the season when we picked them to beat Illinois outright in Champaign, what I needed to see from Frank Harris was those baby steps, that maturation go from a C passing game to a B minus pro football focus ranks them as the 26th best passing attack in the country. I'm not sure if they're quite in that top 30 conversation, but they're now at at a point where you cannot just stack the box to stop sincere McCormick, who, by the way, in games when they've needed him has gone over hundred yards per game. When they've given him the touches, he's been that same dynamic back as we experienced, you know, last year in all of their games. I think he's due for a breakout game. I don't think Memphis is really going to be able to stop them. This is a game where I think the wrong team is actually favored here. UTSA, in my mind, is a top five G5 team, and Memphis is still too young and putting the pressure of expectations on Seth Hennigan 
after coming up with a win over an SEC team. I see letdown written all over this. I like the Roadrunners. What are your thoughts on that one? And what are you pairing up for our money line underdog parlay here in week four? Yeah, I agree completely. I actually wrote this game up for the Action Network website. So, you know, everyone listening, make sure to go check out, you know, that article and the rest of our, our incredibly talented group of writers over there that pretty much cover every game at this point. When I was digging in this game, the handicap for me came down to obviously you look at Memphis's offense and they're super explosive and, you know, they put up a ton of points. They rank just 66th in success rate. They have not moved the ball consistently. What they do is they're 10th in explosiveness and they rely on, like we talked about, Calvin Austin, you know, breaking free for 80 yard plays. UTSA is 27th at defending big plays. They've allowed just two plays of 30 plus yards all season, the fourth best in the country. So I think UTSA is going to limit those, those big plays, keep in front of them, make Memphis and that freshman quarterback dink and dunk. And I don't think they'll be able to, and I agree with you. I think McCormick's going to break out and run it down their throat. And I'll jump through with one more stat. Really, if you want to nitpick UTSA, the one issue they've had is in pass protection. They've been a little bit leaky there, and Frank Harris has bailed them out with his mobility. But Memphis is not equipped to be living in their backfield. They're 112th in tackles for loss per game in the hundreds in sacks. So they're just not a team that, through their scheme or through their personnel, is generating any pressure. When I look forward to the rest of UTSA's schedule, if they are going to play a team that cranks up the havoc and it lives in their backfield, that could be an issue for them, but not in this spot against Memphis. So for my play, it's only fitting that it's Ryder Cup week, and I'm doubling down on Conference USA, baby. Conference USA. I'm going with UAB plus 160 over Tulane. UAB is also one of the best teams in the G5. You know, they're, they've won the Conference USA two of the last three years, and they get it done with defense. You know, they're, they were seventh in total defense last year, seventh against the pass, which is their strength. Going up against the Tulane team where, you know, that's kind of their strength too. That UAB defense, they returned for their top five defensive backs. This year, they're 11th in success rate against the pass. And even that's kind of skewed because they were torched by Georgia, obviously. But Tulane's not Georgia. This UAB defense was dominant against Jacksonville State and North Texas. Totally shut them down. You know, they've had a little bit of a QB issue. But Tyler Johnson was benched last week and Dylan Hopkins came in. He went six for seven for 202 yards and three touchdowns. So how you like that for efficiency? At the end of the day, I think UAB is one of the best coach team in the country. And I was looking at some of these trends, which, you know, I don't always love trends, but for underdog spot, I kind of do. Bill Clark at UAB is eight and four straight up as an underdog of seven points or less. And he's five and two on the road. Bill Clark in this spot, you know, short road dog, he does really well. So give me the Blazers plus 160 at Tulane and let's hit this Conference USA money line parlay. <laughs> I really do like that one. I, I'm actually typing in the, the payout odds right now. You, you're going to want to make sure to check out WinBet for the latest odds before you know you place this one. But in my mind, there was a number that I needed to clear, which was five to one. It's paying plus 515. I think there's a lot of value in playing two really good G5 teams in a week where, and we'll get to this in our round robin, we're looking at some teams that you got to really squint or put the rose-colored glasses on to, to get excited about, but certainly not UAB and UTSA. And now is the quick reminder to our listeners. The Big Bets on Campus podcast is presented by WinBet Sportsbook, and they've got a great sign-up offer for you guys this season. New WinBet patrons who open an account and deposit $20 or more can make their first bet risk-free up to $1,000. That's right. If you open a new WinBet account, make a qualifying deposit, and place your first bet within 10 days, that bet is risk-free up to $1,000 in eligible states. 
$1,000. So take advantage of this WinBet offer. Just click on the Action Network link in this episode description. Must be 21 or older to gamble. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, with that as a transition, this is the G5 High Five Round Robin Parlay. The G5 High Five. Should we high five? High five! And this week I'm going to do two of the three and I'll get it started with a team that I'm going to put my hand up and say that I was ready for this to be the worst college football team of the season. And UConn obviously said, hold my beer on that one. But New Mexico State, now 3-1 and one against the spread. They played very well defensively, in my opinion, against San Diego State, a game that they only lost 28-10. to 10. In a year in which there's not that much of a difference, and in some cases you have the FCS teams that in the holistic rankings, whether it's their Sagarin or, you know, whatever metric you're looking at, there's a lot of FCS teams that are higher. When I'm looking at just how bad compared to other FBS teams, this New Mexico state defense is, I had much, much lower expectations. I think they've done just enough to keep themselves in games from the point spread perspective. And when you look at the, the quarterback switch going to Dino Maldonado, he's a guy who I think is going to be able to move the football in this game against a Hawaii defense that has been up and down. But really, when they come to the mainland, they have struggled two and seven in their last nine trips to the mainland against the spread. And vis-a-vis the closing number, a negative 10 point spread. So on average, they're failing to cover by 10 points. This is a Hawaii team also that when I look at Chevin Cordero, the book's written on him. He's completing 53% of his passes. They're not a a run first team. They're not a a run and shoot team anymore. It's not the same offense of the June Jones era and kind of those, those disciples that followed after him. I just really don't like this Hawaii offense coming directly after a letdown spot, losing in a close game to San Jose State, which could have set them up nicely for the Mountain West Conference. I see them sleepwalking through this game. So I'm going to take 17 and the Aggies, a team that, arguably should have come into the season as 130th in the country. I think they're going to finish like 115th. I think they have a little bit of fight in them and I'm impressed with uh, what's going on in Las Cruces. Am I crazy? Is that just like a a bridge too far for you, even in a week like this? No, it's a little crazy, but I like it. I like a little crazy. In a week like this, this this is what the round robin's for. It's it's, it's for getting a little crazy. Give me two picks here. We'll, We'll go back to back before I give my last one for the round robin. All right, my first pick, I know you're not going to like this because I know they burnt you last week. I'm going back to Toledo. Uh, I'm taking Toledo on the money line. I've actually never heard of them. Toledo has a football team? News to me. Erased from history for me, but please continue. They, hey, they won me my flag, which my max, my action flag still has not come yet, unfortunately. But I'm going to Toledo money line as a short favorite at Ball State. Ball State just hasn't looked good to me. You know, they, they lost running back Caleb Huntley, which I think has really, really affected them. Drew Plitt has not looked good at all. Their only win this year was against FCS Western Illinois, who, by the way, outgained Ball State. Pullett had just 188 yards passing. Penn State obviously smoked him, put through two two picks. Pullett was benched last week against Wyoming. Uh, Then John Patty came in and was just as bad. They both threw a pick six in that game. And then you look at Toledo, and, you know, Carter, they had a QB battle coming into the year. Carter Bradley has emerged as that starter. Their other 20 starters all came back, including Brian Kobach, who's a stud running back who's been awesome this year. Toledo beat up on Norfolk State. They they hung with Notre Dame really close, almost pulled off that upset. And then, yeah, they laid a dud against Colorado State. I'll admit that. But their defense was awesome. I mean, they didn't allow an offensive touchdown. And, and, you know, Colorado State won because they had a punt return five field goals. So I think, you know, the offense gets things settled up. I think they have a big bounce back game against Ball State. I just think Toledo's a better team, so I'll take a money line as a short short favor. I think they're minus 200 on the money line. For the round robin, just give me Toledo on the money line. I think they take care of business and bounce back against Ball State. 
I agree with your assessment on Ball State. They've kind of self-walked through this season. It's it's surprising to me that Drew Plitt has struggled so much, but they just should be better. And I understand the confidence, you know, being drained from their body in that Penn State game, but Wyoming should not be doing that to you in, in a situation where you're pulling quarterbacks, particularly a team that won the MAC last year. So there is something wrong with Ball State, so I understand why you're in a spot to fade them. How about your next one? My next pick, you're fading a service academy. So again, it's Ryder Cup week. I'll go and back another one. I'm taking Army on the money line against Miami, Ohio. Army's going to run it down their throat. Hey, you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. <laughs> Miami's 116th in rushing success on defense. They're 108th in line yards. Cincinnati ran all over them. Minnesota ran all over them. Army's averaging 331 rushing yards per game. They're averaging five yards per carry this year. But here's the kicker. Army's first in the country in passing success rate. (laughs) They're throwing the ball a little bit here. Army's thrown four touchdowns, and they've only allowed three passing touchdowns. So Army's passing the ball better than their opponents, according to that one stat that I just pulled out. (laughs) They're averaging 21.7 yards per attempt. That's what they're doing. You know, they they run down your throat. They run down your throat. They run down your throat. Pop pass 40-yard touchdown. They're averaging 44 points per game. Army is running the ball up, and this Miami defense is not going to be able to stop them at all. Give me the Army money line against Miami, Ohio. Here's an interesting question because Jeff Munkin's name gets dropped every single you know uh, coaching carousel offseason article. And is he going to go to Vanderbilt? Is he going to go to Kansas? If you just took the current roster of Army and put them at either of those two schools, they win more games this year, which is crazy to me with all the requirements, you know, just to get into these service academies and all the limitations. And just thinking about like the arguments against having a triple option at these historic doormats, I I don't understand because honestly, he's going to play his way into the top 25 this season. They have some cool, you know, uh, marquee games. I believe they play Liberty later in the season. That could be a top 20 matchup. Like this is one of the better stories in college football. And I think it still gets that little pat on the head. Oh, that's cute because you're running the triple option. You know what's not cute? Giving up 350 rushing yards per game. And I agree with you in this spot. I don't think there's any chance that the Red Hawks can, can slow them down. I honestly think that Army is going to you know, play their way into double digit wins, you know, a 10 plus win season. And this is one of the better prices you're going to get them at because there's just going to be momentum that's building as they rack up these wins. All right. For my last one, I'm going to go with UTEP. And this one's pretty simple. Collegefantasyupdate.com. I'm going to give them a quick plug. It's something that I follow for college fantasy football injury updates. And they do a great job of cataloging every single beat writer who's, you know, the QB taking snaps. Is this guy in a walking boot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. This one, is simple. Dion Hankins is back for UTEP. He's the best player on the team. They survived without him. And what actually happened in his absence is you had Hardison and Cowing really develop an explosive passing game. And because of that, I think when he comes back, it's going to be this great compliment. I am excited about them in this game. I'm actually excited about the, the UTEP offense for the first time in a long time. Um, and honestly, I, I think on top of everything else, what's really interesting is that Historically, they've been a doormat. And to, to steal a Booger McFarlane line, when anyone's playing against UTEP in the last 10 years, it's a Burger King situation. They can have it their way. They can run the ball. They can spread it out. They can do anything they want. They're going to get 400, 500 yards total offense and win going away. But this year, even in their blowout loss to Boise State, they really bowed their necks on the defensive line, holding the Broncos to 3.3 yards per carry. That's what they've been able to do as the run defense this year. I think they're going to be able to do it again against the New Mexico team that's struggling to run the football, which is a little bit interesting given you know the, the, 
personnel that they've had and the recent success with a run-focused offense. So a strength versus a weakness there. I think they take away the running game. And then it's Terry Wilson's game to win. I, I feel more confident in the UTEP offense. So I'm going to go ahead and take them plus 115 and toss this into the round robin. All right, for my last play, surprise, surprise, I'm going to another MAC game. I actually just realized as I'm saying this, I'm taking all MAC games. Clearly, I have a strong brand. Uh, I'm going to take Maryland minus 14 against Kent State. This one, you know, it does make me a little nervous. I know we're talking about friend. You don't love it, but I- I'm sticking with it. You know, Dustin Crum is the guy I was super high on coming into the year. You know, I was talking him up as a potential, you know, that first round G5 quarterback that could sneak in there. He just hasn't looked right. You know, he's averaging 151 yards per game, two touchdowns, two interceptions. Yes, he, they played Texas A&M in Iowa, which is going to be tough. But a quarterback his caliber should still be able to move the ball a little bit. And even against VMI, he, he threw just 17 passes. You know, Kent State is 101st in passing success on offense. And they're facing a Maryland defense that's been really good against the pass. They're 22nd in the country against the pass. And Talia Tagovailoa has looked awesome. He has 116 dropbacks this year. Zero turnover-worthy plays, according to Pro Football Focus. It's the second highest passing grade in the country right now. He's 80 for 106 on the season. That's 75.5% of his passes he's completing. Maryland's ninth in passing success. They're 33rd in rushing success. They low-key have like a ton of weapons too. You know, Dante uh, Demas, Rakeem Jarrett on the outside. They have running back Tavon Fleet Davis is averaging 6.8 yards per carry. And then, yeah, defensively, they've been kind of surprising as well. You, you kind of knew their offense is going to be good, but they're 18th in Havoc. They've been great against the pass, great against the run. You know, we've seen kind of a lot of Big Ten teams whooping up on the MAC this year, you know, so I'm going to do it. I'm going to take it again. I'm going to take Maryland minus 14 against Kent State for my final pick. Having picked it against Kent State twice on this podcast and hit both times, I, I was going to give them the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, before this number dropped, I was like, this is a nice bounce back spot having played against two top five defenses in AM and Iowa thinking that the team total would be like 18, 18 and a half, somewhere in there. It's 27. That's giving an offense from last year, way too much credit. They've clearly not replaced the explosiveness of McCoy on the perimeter. They also have some injuries at wide receiver coming into this game. And I agree the VMI game was the red flag game for me. You can write off the other performances, but that's a game where they should have absolutely dominated. They gave up 150 yards to the key debts in that spot on the ground as well. I think Maryland boat racism, you've convinced me I'm in on it. I'll probably play over in that spot as well, but that's a nice way to to cap off our round Robin. I do like that over a lot too. I think, I think Maryland put up 50 on them. So you get Kent state, you know, 17, you're you hit it. All right. So we're going to do a quick wrap up of all of our picks here. So for our best bets, I like FAU plus five. The Florida Atlantic Owls. Ionello is on Buffalo minus 13 and a half. The Buffalo Bulls. For our underdog parlay here in week four, I like UTSA, the Roadrunners, plus 135 on the money line. The UTSA Roadrunners. And he's tacking on UAB plus 160, going with the Blazers and their excellent G5 defense. The UAB Blazers. And then for the G5 high five, our round robin play here. Going to go through quickly. We have the Toledo Rockets. The Toledo Rockets. Army on the money line. The Army Black Knights. Maryland minus 14. The Maryland Terrapins. Crab cakes and football. That's what Maryland does. New Mexico State plus 17. The New Mexico State Aggies. 
and UTEP on the money line minus 115. The UTEP Miners picks up. So that's it for the Group of Five deep dive here at the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by WinBets. We are so glad that you checked us out again here in week four, hopefully keeping the positive cash flow going for you. And as a reminder, you can listen in to Colin and Stucky, their week four preview of the entirety of college football, bringing in the Power Five and the G5 drops Thursday nights into Friday mornings. So be sure to check that out as well. For Mike Ionello, I'm Mike Calabrese of the Action Network. Thanks so much for listening.